Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period.
day to day, you're just like, oh, it's cloudy today. It's Ohio, it's winter. It's cloudy, it's foggy, it's gonna rain, it might snow if we're lucky, but that's, that's Ohio in the winter. It's just what happens. So then when the sun came out, I, I like didn't realize how much I missed the sun until I saw the sun. Did anybody else feel that way this week? You were like, oh, what's this? Wow. Um, I work at home, and so I used to work in my basement, and then being down there every day, I was like not seeing the sun, right? So we moved me up into our old dining room. My desk faces the windows so I can like peep out on everybody walking by during the day because that's a favorite pastime. Sue's walking their dog. What are they doing? Um, but the sun is a huge piece of that for me. And so like I realized that I hadn't been like moving my blinds up and down a lot because the sun doesn't come in the windows in the morning and blind me. And then this week I was like, oh gosh, what is this? So people were like in meetings and they were like, your face is all washed out. I'm like, yes, the sun, that's why. So um, I just think you get happier when the sun's out, right? Like you walk outside and, you're, and even if it's cold, even if it's cold, you're like, okay, I can deal with this, right? And so February is also famous for something else other than like the sun coming out once in a while. It's famous for being known as the month of love, okay? Don't freak out. We are going to talk about love today, but it's not going to go where you think it is. So everything's red in February, right? We've got Valentine's Day. Uh, we've got the Super Bowl, which this year the Super Bowl episode is highlighting the love between Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. <laughs> I had to. I had to. So, and I'll be honest, I think Hallmark took it a little too far this time with this, okay? Like, this is, I, I don't want the Super Bowl to be a Hallmark movie. I want it to just be the Super Bowl, okay? We don't need this. So there's tons of stuff on TikTok out there about it, and my wife sends me all of them, and I'm like, okay, like, kind of just want to watch the Super Bowl. Like, this stuff's cool, but, like, let's just watch the game. So Hallmark has taken over Christmas. They've taken over Valentine's Day, and now they're taking over the Super Bowl. It's ridiculous. So, but love is what brings us together today. Feel like I'm starting a wedding, right? Anybody been to a wedding before? Most of us probably, right? So that's usually how the pastor starts, right? Or say marriage is what brings us together today. Love is why we're here. I know that as soon as I start talking about the Bible and talking about love, some of you are immediately going to think, Love is patient. Love is kind. And yes, that is what we're going to talk about today. But I want you to erase everything in your brain about it. And I want you to start fresh. Because when we read through the Bible, oftentimes we have verses that we hear over and over and over again. And we think we know what they mean. We're like, yep, love is patient. Love is kind. Great. Let's move on. Right? There's a lot more to it than that oftentimes. And when I'm up here speaking, I like to take the opportunity to look at the scripture that's around those verses, right? So we hear tons of verses in the Bible, and I mean, even if people, if you aren't from the church originally, you see verses. You see John 3.16 at games sometimes, and some of us know what it means, or you hear, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which is Philippians 4.13. If you grew up in church, you know these, like, really popular verses. This is one that is kind of popular. Um, I'm thankful that 1 Corinthians 13 is popular because it got me through a really tough class in college. Um, I took, I had to take Greek when I was in college and like trying to like translate the Bible from Greek to English and that was a part of the class. And I was not good at it, like at all. 
I found some great resources online, and I let those help me through my class. I didn't cheat, did not cheat, but I found some resources that were useful. Thankfully, in my second year, you, you go into the classroom and they just give you like a text in front of you and they say, translate this. I'm like, cool. This is not going to go well because I know like half of this stuff. Thankfully, I had the verse memorized because the one that I drew was 1 Corinthians 13. I was like, thank God for elementary school Bible verses because I passed because of that, not because I knew what I was doing. So I, I don't want to talk a ton today about like love between humans and love in the marriage sense. The space we're going to talk about today is about God's love and about the gift of love that he gave to us between God and humans. So when we talk about this love is patient, love is kind, we often think about a wedding and we think about love between human beings. This is different. So while we're digging into this, I want to take a step back. Right? I talked about how I like to look at the words around it. So we're going to step back into the beginning of the Corinthians. Right? So 1 Corinthians 13 is the text we're going to focus on today. But I want to talk about who the Corinthians were and like, why did they get a letter from Paul. Okay? So you read through the Bible and you see like, you know, there's 1 and 2 Corinthians, there's 1, 2, and 3 John, there's these words these books of the Bible in the New Testament that are letters. And so 1 Corinthians is a letter. It's a super long letter. Like, I can't write a letter this long. Like, if a letter's got at least 13 chapters, probably not going to write it. So the letter was written to the church in Corinth. Corinth is a city, or was a city, that was in south-central Greece. Okay? Corinth is a pretty strategic city. So if you look at the map, and I, I should have, like, you know, been smart and put a picture of that up there, but I didn't. But if you look at the map, like, Greece is kind of two parts, and it kind of goes together like this in a spot. Corinth was kind of in that middle place where there's some water on both sides, so it was a really strategic area. So it was an important city at the time. It was west of Athens. Athens is a city that's still there. Corinth is a city that is not still there. So Paul wrote this in the mid-50s AD. So not 1950s, 50s, just the regular 50s. So the church in Corinth was fractured. It wasn't doing well. There was division, there was immorality, idolatry, and theological confusion. And so Paul writes a letter to the folks in Corinth to say, hey, listen, you guys are struggling and you need some help. So as we read through anything in 1st or 2nd Corinthians, what you've got to understand is why Paul was writing those letters. Paul was writing letters to a church and to people that were struggling with division, immorality, idolatry, and theological confusion. So keep that in your mind as we're going through this, that this is the purpose that Paul was coming at this for. There were a lot of really good people in Corinth. It's not like because the church there had problems that they were bad people or it was a bad church. Every church has problems, period, because it's humans that are leading it. And sometimes we need people to come in, just like Paul, and say, hey, you're kind of screwing this up. Think about this, right? And that's what he did here. So if you read much of what Paul wrote and you really dig down into studying him, one thing you're going to recognize really quickly about Paul, Paul's a really straight shooter. He's going to tell you what he thinks, and he really, I mean, honestly, he doesn't care if you like it or not because it's coming from God, and that's what he needs to say. 
that comes from Paul's background, right? You remember the story where Saul, who turns into this Paul, is going through, he's walking down the road, he's killing Christians or ordering them to be killed and things like that. He was a big leader in the anti-Christian movements. And so he is going to be someone that is at the forefront, is leading, and is going to tell you what he thinks. I'm sure you've all been around people that are leaders that you're like, okay, that person has something about them, and I'm going to listen to them because they're saying it. Usually they're a person that says it pretty directly. They're not going to go, hey, would you maybe, you think you could go over here and like do this for me? They're not going to act like that. And so that's what you see in Paul. What I also love about Paul sometimes is Paul's a little sarcastic at times. You can see some things and you read it and you're like, ooh, I'm a little offended by what he said there. That, that kind of hurt. Um, so let's step into 1 Corinthians 12. So I'm not going to read two whole chapters of the Bible today, but I am going to give a quick overview of what's going on in 1 Corinthians 12 to get us ready for what goes on in 1 Corinthians 13. So the beginning of chapter 12 talks about spiritual gifts. So it talks about the various gifts that God gives us as Christians when we're in the Spirit. It's a space where Paul writes, it's okay to have a gift from God. It's a good thing. Gifts are usually good. Gifts are not usually bad. He gives us all, God gives us all gifts and clearly wants us to use them, right? If you've been around church at all, you know sometimes spiritual gifts can be a little bit divisive. I've been in a church before where they kind of split the church and it caused a lot of problems. But it says in the Bible that the spiritual gifts are from God and God is good. So after that section where Paul kind of lists out details of spiritual gifts, talks about them, he moves into a section about unity. But the section about unity also kind of talks a little bit about diversity. So you see, when you have theological confusion, you've got division, you've got all these things that usually comes because of a lack of unity and a lack of recognition of the fact that people are different. Every single one of us in here is different from the person next to us. And that's a good thing. We want to be different. We don't all want to be the same. So 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14 says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So, I don't think it's uncommon knowledge. I think it's common sense, right? To know that we all have a body and there's different parts of our physical body, right? Everybody has hands, right? We've got feet, eyes, ears, head, shoulders, knees, and toes, right? Right? These kids make me want to sing those songs. Um, so, but all those parts are connected, right? And if you've ever maybe been injured or sick or something like that, and one of your body parts doesn't work how it's supposed to, you don't feel right. Your body doesn't feel good if all the parts aren't working together. But they're also different. So Paul is talking here about the body of Christ, the church. And he's saying, hey, listen, like, we've got hands, we've got feet. Hands and feet are different. Some people hate feet. 
Some people hate hands, but we have to work together. So we have a, a two-year-old at home. His name's Holden. He's actually probably, well, he's in the nursery right now. And when he's in there, they've got the TV on that shows like the stage and everything like that. So he's seeing me up there. And he always goes, Daddy, Daddy. Uh, it's, it's the best. But one of the things he hates is, is, is he hates hair. Doesn't like it at all, right? Like he'll, he'll see me and he'll look at my leg and he'll be like, ew, yucky, yucky, daddy, yucky. And I got, bless his heart, right? But children, he was looking at me the other day and he was looking like up my nose and he was like, ew, daddy, yucky, hair. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm getting old. So I was just like, dude, come on. My nose is not yucky. You have a nose too. It's okay. It's just normal. And he's like, no, daddy, yucky. I'm like, okay, cool, man. Thanks. Know where I stand. So um, he's just, he's a funny kid. Um, but like hair is important to our body, right? Like we need that. So even though he doesn't really like it, it's still important that I have it, right? So think about that. Think about our bodies. What Paul has to say here is super, super brilliant. He's focusing on an area that's in contention. But he does it beautifully. He's like, hey, y'all are complaining and yelling at each other because you're a little different from each other. Well, let's not talk about the fact that you're different from each other. Let's talk about your bodies. Because like, we know that. That's the thing we can all agree on, right? That our bodies have different parts to them and they do different things. Paul says, hey, you got a body, right? Yeah, this is the same. So it's very similar. Um, so I listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, my wife hates it because I have useless, random facts that are always in my brain that no one needs to know. I don't need to know them, but I do. So just last night, I was listening to a podcast about Star Trek. I'm not a Trekkie at all. My dad watched it a ton growing up. I have nothing against it. But they talked about something really interesting. I think it, it really plays well with this conversation. So Star Trek did a lot of things. It was pretty revolutionary in a lot of its treatment of like race and relationships between race at the time. So there was a, a situation where they had a planet where on half the planet, people were basically their body was half, right? So half of their body was black, half of their body was white. And the people that were on the planet, some of them had the left side black, some of them had the right side. And they, they you know, the people on the one side of the planet we're left side black, white side right, the people on one side of the planet were the opposite. And so they're, they're very similar, right? They both got the same colors, they're on different sides. And so like the thing they were talking about is like that was a great way for that show to come out and say, hey, y'all are being crazy. Stop, stop being mad about all this stuff and get along, right? But it was done in a way that wasn't like, oh, this person is green and this person is purple, right? So it comes in just like this with Paul. You come to a point where you've got an agreement, right? Where it's, it's the same, right? It's just the left side and the right side are different. It's just your arm and your leg. And so Paul comes in just like that and says, hey, we're all different, but we've got the same goal. We're all a part of the same thing. We've all got a different job. So stop arguing about it, get over it, and let's work together and recognize that we're different. And I think it's huge. It's so important, but it was brilliant the way he said it. Because Paul made you go there without making you go there, okay? So he switches gears right here at the end of chapter 12. And there's a key verse here that I want to read. Chapter 12, verse 27. 
Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. So again, he comes back and says, hey, remember this body thing? Let me tell you what I'm really talking about here. And he does. And we're not all the same, and that's great. Not everyone wants to stand up here on a Sunday morning and talk. That's great. Not everyone wants to do anything in the church. But we all do something, and we are all a part of it, right? But what I want you to key in on here is he talks about all these things, and he says they're all good, right? But then he says, but there's something better than that. Let me show you the most excellent way. Gifts are great, and there's great diversity in the group, and all of us are working together. But there's something better, even better than all those things that we focus so much on. Paul leads us there when he says the most excellent way. Anybody else want to live on excellent way? Want to be there, right? It's the best place to be. So he's kind of like leaving you that little cliffhanger, and he's saying like, okay, like we talked about all these things, and they're great, they're important, we got to solve this argument. But now we're going to talk about the real point of all this. So this is why I'm giving you the background, because now we're going to roll straight into chapter 13. These are the parts at the beginning of this that you don't hear at a wedding. And it's important, because what do we start with at the wedding? Love is patient, love is kind, and they look in each other's eyes, and they're loving each other, and they're like, oh, this is so great. And everybody's like, yes, it is, remember this when you fight. But we got to see still a little bit more before that. So the first thing Paul says in chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, if I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So Paul promised us a most excellent way. He said, I'm going to show you the most excellent way. But he delivered a lot more than that. He delivered the only way. We can have all the spiritual gifts. We can have every single one. But if we don't have love, it's worthless. We can be great teachers. We can have a lot of faith. But the very thing that activates those things and makes them worthwhile is love. If you gave everything you own away, and there is a spot in the Bible that talks about a man, right? There's the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus and says, hey, how can I follow you? And Jesus goes, ah, give everything, you know, sell everything you own, give all the money away, and follow me. And the dude's like, no, nope, can't do that, right? Even if you did all of that, 
if that rich man sold everything he had, gave every dime to the poor, but he didn't do it with the right heart, with the heart of love, it's worthless. And he wasted his time, he wasted the money, he wasted everything. That's what Paul's talking about here. We can do all these things, but if we don't love or we don't care or anything like that, what's the point, right? Everything we ever do means nothing if it's not based in love. It's not. It's useless. If what we do here on Sunday morning isn't based in love, it's pointless. So, I got to find out, and I know you all got to find out, what is love? And it makes me want to sing that song, uh, but I'm not going to. And I want to dance like this, you know, Night at the Roxbury. I told John I needed entrance music, but I guess he, he missed my, my request. It's all right. So, let's roll into this, right? And again, take your head out of the wedding, get your head out of all that, and I want you to remember we've spent all this time leading up to this about the gifts, the division, what love is for, right? And now we're going to talk about what it is. So love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So Paul talks here about the great characteristics of love. And when you read things in the Bible, you got to take them as a whole, okay? You can't think like, well, if I'm patient only, then I'm showing love. Yes, patience is a way to show love. Anyone has children or has been around children, the way you can love children is by being patient, right? I think sometimes when we read this spot of scripture, we see love defined and we feel like love is just this like soft and mild thing. Like, let's be patient. Yeah, if you've ever had to be patient with someone, that is not always soft and mild. Sometimes patience is hard. Sometimes it's kind of easy when it's like fresh, but it's hard to be kind too, right? Well, there are some ways that love is quiet and is reserved. There are times when love has to be loud and kind of in your face. It says here that love isn't easily angered. Does it say love isn't angry? Sometimes, in the face of an injustice, an angry response is the loving response. Jesus got angry. He got angry for a real good reason. But if you look back at it, it was all because of love for his people. It says that love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. If you see something evil and you have love, you probably got to do something about it. You can't be passive and mild. It says that love protects and perseveres. Protecting isn't a passive action, right? 
if you see like animals and how they protect their pack and protect their children, that is love for their children, but that is not soft and quiet and mild, period. It's not. If you've ever seen animals, if you ever walk up on a dog and it's puppies, you're going to learn that love is not passive, right? So some of these things can be big and bold, and sometimes love can look like justice, too. Love can be the hard conversation you have with a friend to protect them from harm. They might not feel loved in the moment, but later, they're going to thank you for that, and they're going to know that you love them. It can be your boss coming to you at work and giving you constructive feedback on how to get better. If your boss didn't care about you, they wouldn't have said a word. It can be your spouse coming to you and talking through how to make your marriage better. It's not a comfortable conversation if you feel like you're doing something wrong, right? But it's the loving conversation. It's the right conversation. Those aren't passive things. They're not mild things. Sometimes the most loving thing you can do feels really difficult. Let's read through verse 8 here. Love never fails. So all these things ahead. First thing he says is love never fails. But where are there prophecies? They'll cease. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there's knowledge, they'll pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. There's a lot here. Really what I want you to see here is we've gone to, these are all the things that are great with the gifts and the tongues and knowledge and teaching and all these things are great, but they're going to go away someday, right? We've ramped up to this, but all these things are going to burn. They're all going to be gone someday. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Love never fails. It's always there. It always wins. Paul comes in here and moves back to the gifts again, right? The spiritual gifts are part of the story. They're part of the spirit. They're part of God's plan but they're not the end. Paul says here that those will be gone, and they're a precursor to what's going to be left over at the end. He says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So at the very end, three things are left. The best of those three things is love. It's the one thing that wins at the end. Love is why Jesus died on the cross for us. Love is why we're here at church. Love is why we have a community dinner every week. Love is why we have trips to Honduras and trips to Big Creek. Love is why we give up our time, our money, and our talents to God. Like Paul said, it's all worth nothing if we don't have love. So where do we go from here? How do we change because of what we know? How are we different tomorrow 
because of what we learned today. We always have to look back to love, period. We have to be patient. It's a characteristic of love. Patient with our kids, patient with coworkers, patient with friends, patient with everybody, patient with the dude that cuts you off in traffic that's a complete jerk on your way to work. Patient, chill out, it's okay, let them go, right? Patience, kindness, don't flip them the bird as they go away, right? Just don't, it's not kind. Patience and kindness are difficult when we come into hard situations. But when we have love in our heart, when we let love guide you, those things will come. If you've got love in your heart for other people, you're not going to get mad because they cut you off in traffic. You're not going to flip them off. You're just going to move on and go, eh, okay. We've got to be kind. We all know the world is a pretty mean place. We all live here. We know. One of the things that my wife and I always strive to teach our kids above a lot of other things is to be kind to other people. And kindness for kids can look really different than it looks for us, but some of the things can be the same, right? We teach our kids to be friends with kids that are hard to be friends with, kids that are friendless. Everybody needs a friend, right? Maybe we can teach our kids to sit at the lunch table with a kid that nobody's sitting with. Maybe we can, as adults, talk to a person at work that nobody else wants to associate with just because they're a little different than us. Maybe we can pick somebody up after they've been picked on. That's kindness. That's love. I could go on through all these things. But the last thing I want to leave you with is this. Is we as Christians desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. One big aspect of the Holy Spirit is love. When we live in the Spirit, we're going to display its fruit. Just like a tree, right? If we're an apple seed, we're going to make an apple tree, right? Apple seeds do not grow into orange trees. At least I've not seen that. They don't, right? If we're a spirit seed, we're going to make a spirit tree. And what kind of fruit does a spirit tree bear? Galatians 5, 22-25 says this. But the fruit of the Spirit, and it's a singular fruit, not fruits. Each of these things are not individual. They are all one. The fruit you're going to see on somebody that is in the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace. It says forbearance, but that's patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So it all rolls back, right? When we're in step with the Spirit, we're going to display the fruit. The first thing we notice about someone who has the Spirit within them is that they display love. It's the first thing it says is love. So what we need to do is what it says right here. We have to give up our old ways and live a life in the Spirit and in love. So as we leave here today, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. I want you to look for ways this week where you can show love where you might not have before. It can be something as simple as I said before. Somebody cuts you off, 
that you let it go, right? You've loved that person by letting that action go, right? Sometimes it's really easy to love. Like, for some of us, it's not hard to let that person go, right? Other of us, we're like, you took something from me. I have to get it back. I have to get you back. And I'm sure we've got some people in here that have that inside them, that little road rage. I don't, but some people do. So if that's you, just let it go one time this week. Just one time. Sometimes it's super easy to love. And that's great. Keep loving where it's easy to love. But I'm challenging you this week to choose the love when it's hard to love. That's the whole key here. So I'm going to pray. God, thank you for today. And uh, thank you for the message you've got for everyone. Teach us how to love. Show us how we need to love you and love others. Let us all be reminded this week of the challenge to love people and to love in a different way than we have before. Bring us back safely next week. Amen. Thank you all. See ya. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.